And welcome, friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you. Also, Bill Jack from Worldview Academy in studio. Long time no see. Bill, you've uh, aged. Hey. Yeah, a couple months anyway. Something yeah, like that. Something yeah. like that. Welcome back. Uh, President Joe Biden announced his plan to forgive student debt, some $400 billion of student debt earlier today. Oh, good. Just talk you about know, generous. I mean, that guy, I didn't realize he had that much money. And and my so I'll get a refund on my, my student loan from when I was in college? Yeah, I paid mine off too, and I think I'm going to get a refund on that refund. too. Uh, we all should get refunds, right? The President of the United States is forgiving debt. I mean, that's biblical. Um, to forgive debt. Well, uh, Maybe not to forgive other people's debt. Well, maybe you better unpack that. Well, maybe we should. Maybe we should. Apparently, he's saying, okay, I'm forgiving $10,000 per borrower for anybody making less than $125,000 per year. Which is just about everybody. Every student. Yeah. Every student. I mean, there's, there, there's an occasional, you know, $240,000 kind of wage earner. But uh, wow, the president of the United States, that's about as generous as you can get. That means the federal Pell Grant loan system was actually a tax all along, by the way. Surprise, government spending and government debt turned into a tax. Yeah. I've been arguing this for quite some time, and uh, a couple of our listeners said, this is not not equate debt to a future tax, but that's precisely what's happening with a student debt program, and that gets rolled over into federal debt, which eventually gets rolled over into, well, I guess they'll just forgive that too. Yeah. Let's just forgive everything. Yeah, just forgive everything. And uh, forgive too bad, too bad for forget. the lenders. Too bad for the lenders. Yeah. What That's happened? the moral of the story, isn't it? What happened? There goes the Schumer Mansion Law Deficit Reduction Program. Poof. <laughs> I, I, I think someone said, yeah, the Deficit Reduction Program was roughly $300, $400 billion. Uh, just spent it. <laughs> you know, what was it? Two weeks after signing or a week after signing? Uh, yeah. Just spent that too. Just spent the $400 billion deficit reduction program that uh, was tied into a tax increase and uh, and what was it, 87,000 IRS agents to try to squeeze just a little bit more fluid out of the rock. Yeah. And they're going, guess where they're going to recruit those agents? Uh, where? Colleges. Oh, okay. Well, so that makes a bit of sense. I, as a student, have now made, had my debt forgiven mm-hmm. and they come to me and say, would you like to be a an IRS agent and go after those scoff laws who have who have avoided paying taxes and you say of course because they're the ones who are paying for my college bill i think it's gonna make the people who paid off their college debts feel real good that uh you know they paid off their debt and the people that have really haven't done much in 15 20 years are doing very well now thank you very much so there's probably some kind of a biblical principle that ties into some of this Somewhere. i would think maybe maybe we could Ask our viewers to, or listeners to to send that in, and, and we'll just cancel the rest of the show. Well, thou shalt not steal comes to mind. Oh, oh. the eighth commandment. Oh, that's that simple. I know it's a shock to, to some, but I I believe these are still in stone. It's and interesting that God yeah. wrote His law into stone. You yeah. notice that? Yeah, it's a sense of permanence. If I, if I was to write something into stone, what would you think? Think it, well. That's uh, that's something that's probably not going to burn up in a fire. It's not like love letters in the sand. No, not really. No, no. It's still in stone. God's law is still in stone, my friends. The eighth commandment applies to the federal government, and uh, but a government's not making adequate application for these laws. Um, by the way, will the same thing happen to the federal debt? And that you, once you can say, ha, well, just erase four hundred billion dollars of 
student debt. Can you just do the same thing with uh, government bonds? I mean, you know, just walking away from your bonds. What do you say to China? Ah, decided we're not going to pay it back. What do you say to the government, uh, the American taxpayers that bought those bonds? Surprise. Surprise. We have a big eraser. Yeah, we're we're just not going to pay that back. Or, you know, I mean, I suppose we would take the time and just kind of inflate the economy as quickly as we could possibly inflate the economy and thereby not pay back on the bonds, the value that was invested 15 years ago. So we could do that. A little bit of quantitative easing, a little bit of the Federal Reserve initiating some inflation. And then pretty soon you've got inflation rates way, way, way higher than the bond rates. And there, poof, just uh, just walked away with other people's money. Quite a bit of it, actually. I haven't done the, the math, but it seems to me that in one of the recent programs, we figured it's been about a trillion dollars of value that people have invested in government bonds over the last 10 years that have been eaten up by inflation. Ergo, more government spending and quantitative easing on the part of the Federal Reserve. So, you know, I mean, there's sneaky ways in which you can erase the debt. And that's precisely what our governments are doing. And here's the point. When government turns into the biggest thief in the country, this introduces what I would call an instability to economy and to the nation. If you had, you know, let's say the mayor who was robbing the bank um, legally, you know, robbing the bank, your local bank. I'm just putting this into an allegory or a metaphor to, to help you with this bill. If your mayor was robbing the little bank in your little you know village of 300 people and he did that on a fairly regular basis, I would guess that would impact the economy of the village. Maybe. Yeah. And in fact, it would probably undermine the social system of the entire community. Certainly. And um, now what? (laughs) Well, when government turns into the biggest thief in town, we're talking about the breakdown of an entire civilization. Friends, I'm not exaggerating. Read the story in Epoch, the rise and fall of the entire Western civilization. We're talking about uh, hundreds of millions. We're talking about uh, about a billion people that are going to see their civilization wiped away. And that is going on right now. Read the story in Epoch, the rise and fall of the West, and especially the chapter rise and fall of the Western economy. Uh, as the Christian influence has dissipated 2000 years of honest money. Poof. 2,000 years of honest money on the part of banks, governments, etc., maintained by a Christian world and life view over a period of um, 1,600 years. Uh, gone. Gone. Thanks to John Maynard Keynes, the uh, pedophile, homosexual economist that uh, came up with this uh, this scheme. All right. And he lived in the 1920s and 100 years later, have attempted his little scheme. It's not turning out very well. When government turns into the biggest thief in the country, this introduces instability to an economy and a nation, and that is why our civilization has collapsed. More in just a moment on the Generations broadcast. Stay with us. What happens when a culture that was established and guided by biblical principles abandons the faith and seeks to live by its own wisdom? In his latest groundbreaking work, Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West, Kevin Swanson unfolds the dramatic history of Western civilization, highlighting the phenomenal impact that Jesus Christ and his people have had upon the thought, culture, and institutions of the Christian West as well as tracing the slow but devastating decline of Western civilization and the key factors that have led to our spectacular fall over the centuries. 
A sobering narrative of gospel hope, this book urges its reader to greater fervency in the work of discipleship and the development of an international vision for the church. This is truly a must-read for any Christian seeking to understand the times and seasons in which we live. You can claim your hardcover copy of Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West, by visiting generations.org slash store today. That's generations.org slash store. And we are back on the Generations broadcast. Kevin Swanson with you guys. We witnessed the President of the United States forgiving debt. Now, I think we should say, Bill, that, you know, the forgiveness of debts is, is, is essential for the Christian life. But it's those who have trespassed against you. Yeah. And, and you know, in, in, in the same sense, God forgives our debts. I mean, think about the debt that we owed him. Right. Quadrillions of dollars worth. I don't know how much, you know, you could quantify that, but uh, something that would merit punishment in hell. I mean, that's a significant debt. And uh, Jesus stepped in and paid the debt. Right. But, you know, somebody had to pay it and then somebody had to forgive it. And it was the offendee, the the one who was offended that forgave the debt. But that's not what's happening here. No. I think you should explain that to the audience. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I can forgive the debt you owe me. Yeah. Okay. I can't forgive the debt you owe somebody else. Yeah. Okay. And that's exactly what the government's doing. They're saying, we're going to, we're going to just wipe this out. We're going to forgive this debt. It's almost like saying you need to forgive yourself. Yeah. What a silly statement, right? Yeah. What do you owe you? Yeah. You owe, owe yourself How, something? You, you, you can owe, only owe, owe forgive somebody if you've offended them. How did I offend myself and how mm-hmm. do I forgive? That's an absurd statement. Former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers, I believe he was the Treasury Secretary under Obama, so Democrat guy. He's argued that putting all this money back into the borrower's pockets uh, could keep inflation painfully high in the coming months and years. So it's not going to help inflation. But why did they do this? Why did the president of the United States, a Democrat, forgive $400 billion of government debt on the part of these college students? who graduated from American colleges and owed some $400 billion worth in college debt. Why is this? Well, several reasons. Uh, First of all, the college bubble has burst, and we've talked about 4 million students have walked off the reservation. They're not enrolled as of 2022, and uh, that's over the last 10 years. I mean, we're talking about the college bubble busting big time, and, you know, this doesn't do well for Democrats. Why? Because the only way to get kids to vote Democrat in the 2030 elections is to get them back into college. Because you got to indoctrinate them. Absolutely. And that's what the New York Times came out with last September. And I just sent that article over to you. Yep. You're looking at it dead center. And what you find, and, 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 you know, the Democrats understand this. Everybody knows this. I think anybody who's, you know, paid attention to what's going on in terms of uh, voter demographics knows that this is why they did it. They wanted to get these Democrat voters into college, out of college, voting Democrat in 2030. That's how the Democrats get their progressive agenda through. And that's how they've done it since the year 2000. The Republican Democrat ratio for college grads crossed over in 2000. It was that 22 years ago. You see see the graph, right? Now the divide is 56% Democrat, 35% Republican. This is one of the most definitive 
one of the most definitive measures for who votes Democrat. It's the college grads. The college indoctrination is working. It's destroying America. It's destroying our values. It's undermining uh, the, the ethics of America, the, the Christian worldview foundations that were established over a period of hundreds of years. This is gone now. Why? Because of the concerted effort on the part of Democrats and those that control our colleges and universities to turn red state st- students into uh, blue state colleges and then turn them into blue state voters. That's the way it's been going for the last 25 to 30 years. And the crossover occurred. See, at one point, I guess it was, you know, people who are fairly educated would vote for more of the free market and things of this nature. But, uh, but after about 25 to 30 years of the liberalization and the ongoing increased liberalization of professors in American colleges since the early 1990s, they have finally achieved their goal. And this is the only way in which they will be able to retain control over the country by the year 2030. They've got to get college kids to stop leaving the college and to stay in the indoctrination program long enough to vote Democrat in 2030. You get it, Bill? Yeah. I think it's obvious. I mean, New York Times is admitting it. It is. I mean, you've got to pay off your base. Sure. You got to bribe people. Sure, absolutely. And, and I think it was Jefferson who said once that people realize they can vote for themselves money from the public coffers, then the republic is finished. Uh, this is uh, the article. Let me just read a little bit of it from New York Times. Came out a couple of months ago or last year. Uh, how educational differences are widening America's political rift. College graduates are now a firmly democratic block. Let me say that one more time. College graduates are now a firmly democratic block. So why would uh, Joe Biden pay off college grads some $400 billion? Why would he do this? Well, it's because college graduates are a firmly democratic block. New York Times last fall. He's buying votes. He's buying votes. Exactly. Come on, everybody understands this. By this time, of course, those without degrees, by contrast, have flocked to the Republican Party. Front lines of America's culture clashes have shifted in recent years. A vigorous wave of progressive activism has helped push the country's culture to the left, inspiring a conservative backlash against everything from critical race theory to the supposed cancellation of Dr. Seuss. Um... As they've grown in numbers, college graduates have instilled increasingly liberal cultural norms while gaining the power to nudge the Democratic Party to the left. Partly as a result, large portions of the party's traditional working class base have defected to the Republicans. What they're saying is that uh, the, uh, the, the blue collars are moving Republican. And meantime, the white collars have been properly indoctrinated. They know exactly how to vote because they've been taught in these schools. The democratic advantage among college graduates may be a new phenomenon, but the relative liberalism of college graduates is not. College graduates have been far likelier than voters without a college degree to self-identify as liberal for decades, even when they were likelier to vote Republican. But it's hard to imagine the last half century of liberal cultural change without the role played by universities and academia which helped inspire everything from the student movements and the new left to the 1960s, the ideas behind today's fights over critical race theory. The concentration of so many left-leaning students and professors on campus helped foster a new liberal culture with more progressive ideas and norms than would have otherwise existed. If you live in a community which is more liberal, there's a self-reinforcing ratcheting effect, says Pippa Norris, Norris, a professor and political scientist at Harvard Kennedy School, who believes that the rise of higher education contributed to the rise of social liberalism throughout the post-industrial world. That's an obvious. So it's a professor that's having to tell us this. You know, hey, we're, we're indoctrinating your children into a liberal mindset that's been happening the 
liberal universities. That's what we do. You know, and that's why red state parents have been checking their kids in the blue state universities for a very long time to get a good college education. And this is what we end up with. College professors becoming even more liberal over the last 25 years. We've talked about this already several times. Back in 1990, 42% of professors called themselves liberal. Today, it's 60%. Far, far worse. A 50% increase in the, in the percentage. Now, the liberal to conservative ratio, 5 to 1. People called themselves liberal versus those who call themselves conservative on college campuses. We're talking about professors here. It's a 5 to 1 ratio. Not good, my friends, not good. The Democrat to Republican professors, according to the Econ Journal Watch, this was conducted several years ago, 11.5 to 1. Uh, that would be fairly outnumbered. I wouldn't want to place a bet on a horse that had... 11.5 to 1. Chances That's of pretty rough. Yeah. Democrat to Republican ratio for professors, 11.5 to 1. Now, they also interviewed younger professors, 23 to 1. Yeah. So how does that make you feel? Yeah. Even worse. Okay. Thank you very much. You bet. You bet. The study looked at 7,243 professors in departments of economics, history, law, psychology, journalism, communications at 40 prominent American colleges and university. Again, the Democrat to Republican ratio for your blue colleges. This is where red state parents are faithfully sending their kids to be sure they will be blue state voters when they graduate. It's 11.5 to 1. Democrat to Republican ratio and for the younger professors, 23 to one. That, my friends, is what is happening today. There's a one percent chance they'll survive. I suppose if they make it to Worldview Academy weekend (laughs) or Worldview Academy uh, leadership, leadership camp or Worldview Academy uh, at the Abbey. Abbey. Yeah. Yeah. The year program. program. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So just a little bit of a shameless plug. Thank you. For Worldview. No, thank you. Academy. But 1%. Yeah. We're dealing with. Would you say, I mean, you, you're not, you're not, you don't have hundreds of thousands of young people going through the. Like, no, uh, we have Abbey. about 20, 2100 exactly. students a summer. And then yeah. we have, we have, uh, you know, uh, 30, maybe 24 to 30 students yeah. every year. So, and you, and you're doing what you can. Yeah. You're doing what you can, but kind of hard. When you're up against four hundred billion dollars, yeah, it's like of freebies. It's, it's like having a little, you know, rubber ducky that you're going to hang on <laughs> yeah. to in a tidal wave, yeah, exactly, and a tsunami, yeah. and expect yeah, exactly. expect the uh, okay. the ocean to be calm. I like the analogy. Yeah. I like the analogy. But the weapons of our warfare yeah, are not right. carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Keep that in mind. And I'm we are to cast down those imaginations, Bill, yep. and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen. Amen. That applies and, to and, every child, every young person out there graduating from high school. Yeah. And because, because of those odds, I have job security. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. You're good to go for the next uh, 140 next, years. Yeah, exactly. Should yeah. Christ tarry and. Yeah. And well. If you don't kick the bucket. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. You're just full of good news today for me. Um, well, we're talking about what's happening with the debt forgiveness program on the part of a very generous president of the United States. Now, was he offended? Was he the one who, to whom we owe the debt? These students owe the debt? Uh, no. No? Uh-uh. How can he forgive that which well, is not Well, I think owed? we just dealt with that, oh, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, one, I'm just asking the I'm question just again. just throwing it back on the table. College <laughs> education, back in 1973, was running about 2500 bucks. If we went by the CPI, that would be $9,000 today. Instead, the cost is 22000 for public college. And fifty-one thousand for private college. 
three to five times what it was in the 1970s. Now, here's a question for you. Why is it so expensive over and above everything else? In fact, I don't believe there's any commodity, real estate, cars, anything that comes close to the, the massive increase in the costs of a college education. I don't believe there's anything that comes close to this. Why so expensive over and above everything else adjusted for inflation? A couple of reasons. What is one is the government's funding it. The government's funding it. You say, well, yeah, but not private college. Yeah. Yes, they are. 99% of private colleges take the Pell Grant. And so the, these private colleges are not private colleges. They're public colleges. The, the, what the government funds, the government controls. Lots and lots of free money thrown away like drunken sailors results in an expensive product and exceedingly low quality. You understand how that works? Mm -hmm. If government steps in and says, hey, it's all free, it's all free. Guess what's going to happen? It's going to get expensive. And it's going to be a very bad product in the end. The college is not a free market, given that 99% of private colleges are given federal and state funding through Pell Grants and so forth. The college is an emperor's new clothes procession that purports to make people wise and rich. That's the whole idea. Why do people send their kids to college? That their kids will get a good job. But that's not true. If the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge, and that's not provided, and that's not what the state wants, and that's not what the state gets behind with its Pell Grants, then obviously you're dealing with a secular form of education. 16% of college majors are medical and engineers. Take this out of the equation. I'm just going to look at the, the cause, you know, the, 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 the whole idea that college is there to be sure that you are successful when you graduate. Let's just look at that piece. Now, here's what I've done. I've taken the medical degrees and the engineering degrees out of the equation. That's 16% of the people who go to college. Okay, taking it out. What about the other 84%? Okay. The other 84% of college majors make less than truck drivers, plumbers, electricians, contractors, and jobs not requiring a college diploma. Okay. Let me say that one more time. Take away medical and engineering and 84% of your college majors make less than truck drivers, plumbers, electricians, contractors, and jobs that do not require a college education. 84%. Okay, so already you've got off the top, 84% are there to be indoctrinated, basically. Not right. to be rich, but to be indoctrinated. The studies that say college degrees are worthwhile in terms of lifetime earnings, they neglect to take out the nurses and the engineers. They forget that little piece. Uh, they forget to talk about the other 84%. Okay, that's not what they're doing. They're not talking about the other 84%. They're talking about 16% that turn out to be nurses and engineers. And yes, on average, they make more than truck drivers. But the median salary for an engineer right now is about $100,640, okay? They make about the best of almost any of the college graduates you're going to find. The median salary for a nursing major is about $70,000 right now. The median salary in the nation for a plumber is $60,000. The median salary for a truck driver is $78,000. The median salary for an electrician is $60,000. And the median salary for a business major is $50,670. And by the way, that's a pretty big chunk. The business measures make up about the 10 to 14%. Okay, so you add in the business measures, but they're not making as much as electricians, plumbers, and truck drivers. The business measures, that's right. You go to college, you get your business degree. You're not going to be making as much as the median salary of an electrician, a truck driver, or a plumber. The trades are a better deal than 84% of college measures, unless you want to be an engineer or nurse. It would be better for you to enter the trades. That, my friends, is the deal. 
84% still say, well, I'm not in this major for the money. I'm in it for the wisdom. And that's why I'm majoring in political science and art in this extremely liberal institution. In psychology. In psychology. And now answer that for me. They say, well, I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it to just sit at the feet of liberal professors at a ratio of 24 to 1, Democrat to Republican, in order to gain wisdom. Now, talk to me about wisdom. Talk to me about how much wisdom they're going to get. Um, Let's put it in, it's 23 to 1. It's zero. Close to zero. Close to zero. Because because they do not start with a key of wisdom. Jesus said in Luke 11.52, to a group of lawyers, by the way, you have taken away the key of knowledge. You have taken away the key of knowledge. What is the key of knowledge? Proverbs says it several times. The key of knowledge is what? Fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. If you want to be wise, fear God. Now, walk into your average university, okay? Walk up to the admissions department or the administration and ask them the simple question. Just ask them the question. Do you fear God? Do you fear God? And do you teach as the fundamental foundation of all knowledge, wisdom, understanding, do you teach the fear of God? They will laugh at you. What will they say? They will laugh. They would just laugh. They would they would chuckle out loud. Out loud. They would they would point at you and scoff. Okay. So end of conversation. End of conversation. All right, friends. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast. And I, I mean, it's okay. Some of you are saying, well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but you know what that is? Yeah, but against Proverbs one seven. I mean, I, I'm looking at Proverbs one seven, still in stone. The beginning of knowledge is the fear of God, and these universities are saying, "You've got to be kidding me." Yeah, yeah, but just walk away. Yeah, but. just walk away. Yeah, don't take the money, don't take the, don't take the bait, don't don't go for the college loan. Just walk away. Just take six steps back, get into your car, and drive away. Well, friends, that wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast. Uh, I just would encourage you to our book, Epoch: The Rise and Fall of the West, to better understand how colleges and the college theory of knowledge has been. The toxin that has destroyed Western civilization. You say, what is it? How in the world did we get to where we are today? Colleges and universities did it. And the President of the United States is doing everything he can to keep everybody enrolled. You can interact with the program by emailing me at host at generations.org. Get your copy of Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson and Bill Jack inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation. 